Welcome to this episode of Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga series and Shonen Jump that didn't make it big. However, this week we've got a little bit of a twist, where we're talking about a series that's actually still ongoing. I'm David. I'm Jordan. We're talking about Mashal, and we're joined by our guest, Adam. Hello. Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's honestly a pleasure to be here. Would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? My name is Adam Tetramori. I am a co-host on a similarly <laughs> themed manga podcast known as The Shonen Fiasco Show. You, you dare cough during my introduction? Oh, I'm laughing. I'm not coughing. Oh, look at us with our big rankings here, laughing at the smaller manga podcast. Funny, because we sniped your name. I didn't want to bring it up, but let's talk about the fact that I tweet in January, the good month of 2020, and it starts with me just coming up with this fun premise, and I put down the name Shonen Flop as a tentative title. And what happens months down the line, I see that gets sniped. (laughs) And now I've just been brought on here just for mockery. It was a great name. Our legal department cleared it. I'm sorry you were not quick enough on the draw. Your legal department could have Googled Shonen Flop to really clear it. We did. Can I tell you something? Sure. We had a logo with the name and everything. <laughs> and when we figured out that there was another podcast that had one episode out with the Shonen Flop title, my immediate thought is, how quickly can I become a copyright or a trademark lawyer and just re-snipe this? <laughs> That's my immediate thought. And since then, I've appreciated the Shonen Flop podcast. It's actually been a very high quality podcast that I'm very happy to have a friendly rivalry with. Sure. Friendly rivalry. (laughs) But I will never forget the bitterness I felt losing that name. I had the URL. That must have been the hardest part. You can find us on shonenflop.com. <laughs> I shouldn't admit this, but we don't have a URL. You snipe this. Now you're in the shit pile. Jordan, go, go, go. Get the URL. <laughs> this episode, we're going to find out just how much Jordan can bully me as we turn our tables to talking about the manga. Is it pronounced Mashal? Like, I'm not even trying to shit on you. Is it Mashal or Mashla? I thought it was Mashal, but I don't know where you could find like an official pronunciation for it at this point. I'm not going to lie. I have no confidence in pronouncing anything in Shonen Jump because I recently learned that it's actually called Actage, not Act-Age. If you're fucking lying. Bullshit. It's true. It's pronounced Actage. So don't have any faith in your ability to read anything legibly in, in Shonen Jump. It's okay. That's like when I found out that Eureka 7 is pronounced Alreka 7. Like, <laughs> fuck off. They call her Alreka in the show. You have no excuse. Yeah, I know. And it took me so long to realize, wait, her name is spelled Eureka? This is similar where, like, a lot of the names in Japan where it's like an X, the X is silent. So I got a copy of the first issue of Spy Family, and she was pronouncing it Spy Family, and I was like, wow, I'm really impressed. You know the X is silent. She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, look at the title. She's like, there's an X in the name? (laughs) Because the logo just, like, makes the X really small, so she had never noticed. (laughs) Famous one is Hunter Hunter. Yes. Even Super Iowa Patchwolf pronounces the X, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, come on, man. You did an hour video essay on Hunter Hunter, and you pronounced the name wrong the whole time. Super Eye Patchwolf, by the way, love to have you on the show, so let us know. Thirsty. I like it. <laughs> He's got a type. To be fair, I've been hanging at Mother's Basement for like a month now. Mother's Basement, I want Totally Not Mark would also be great. That would be a good one, too. David's type is Scottish anime YouTubers. Holy shit. Totally Not Mark literally talks about how Fishman Island is a comparison to his Irish heritage in his latest video. 
Now one of the hosts called him Scottish, so good luck with that. Right, 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 right. I remember. Okay. Oh, look, I'm sorry. All Europeans look the same to me. What can I say? <laughs> this also relates to the fact that this probably has one of the easiest pronounced series since, uh, what? Golem Hearts, where the character's name was Isaac. Oh, I was like, ah, yes, I can't butcher this one. I'm sure Jordan was still expecting me to be like Isaac or something. That honestly might be how it's supposed to be pronounced, but we'll never know. Jordan, fuck off. <laughs> I'm not even shitting on you here. I just don't know anymore. You know what, Jordan? I know your mom listens to this podcast. Mrs. Forbes, can you please tell your son to stop bullying me during this podcast? No, mom. Don't do it. (laughs) Your mom's a great lady. I've known your mom for like a decade. I've known your mom for like a decade. Yeah, that's because we hung out in high school. I want to say like I've known your mothers more than I've known either of you. Mm. I would be lying. I'm sorry. I hope not. Weird flex, but okay. We have a knitting group. It's nice. Mom, I didn't know you knitted. It's very wholesome. You think, oh, like, oh, uh, Chad levels of talking shit. No, I'm just, your mothers are good people. Speaking of Chads, why don't we get into the series, which has perhaps one of the most Chad MCs I have ever read in my manga reading existence. Hell yeah. Mashal is set in a world where magic is a part of everyday life. This series is the tale of Mash. A young- It's set in Hogwarts. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Fuck off, Jordan. (laughs) I would fire my co-host if he did that kind of bullshit to me. (laughs) You're a bold man. (laughs) We're gonna try and make this not be a two-hour recording session, I say. (laughs) Mashal is set in a world where magic is a part of everyday life. This series is the tale of Mash, a young man who's one of the few not able to use magic. To compensate, Mash instead has trained his body beyond human limits, capable of feats like running on water. Mash's life is uprooted when the police discover he's unable to cast magic, a crime punishable by death. However, he makes a deal with the police that if he becomes a top student at the prestigious Easton Magic Academy, the Divine Chosen, then they'll look the other way, bribed by the riches that title provides. Despite not being able to use magic while attending a magic school, Mash still tries his best, showing off impressive feats like intimidating a curse and deactivating, or slapping a magical plant so that it'll stop misbehaving so he can cook with it. It turns out, to be the Divine Chosen, Mash needs to collect five golden coins, either from winning them against other students or impressive feats of skill. This series is still ongoing, so we can't spoil the plot for you, but it starts by just having Mash go on adventures while he's trying to get gold pieces. However, about midway through, we learn that there is this evil society called the Magia Lupus, a group of seven powerful students that are trying to force their leader as a divine visionary, and so Mash and his gang of friends have to battle these evildoers to be able to keep his ability to become the top student at the school. Jordan, why don't you lead us off talking about Mash? As I said before, the chattest MC I have ever read in my entire life. Mash is a fucking Chad, dude. He's cool. So the basic idea is that since it's a magic world and Mash can't do magic, instead, he's just lifted weights so much that he can just fake having magic. He'll do shit where he just uses magic to defy physics. And I say magic. No, he he calls it like muscle magic, tricep magic, hamstring magic. He names all of his muscles. They all have names. Like his left peck is named Kevin. (laughs) He's also just... Just a very sweet boy. He's very uh, deadpan, just like totally deadpan. And he also loves cream puffs more than anything in this world. There's something weird where no matter what he cooks, it turns into a cream puff. Yeah. They're like learning how to make like magic food or whatever. And it's like that rip out the Harry Potter scene. This is the drinking game where you drink every time we talk about how it references Harry Potter or One Punch Man, where they're like these shrieking plants and you have to use magic to pacify them. And Mash just slaps like one and he's like, be quiet. <laughs> I don't think we directly said it yet, but this manga is basically a parody of Harry Potter. 
Yeah, it's if One Punch Man went to Hogwarts, is how I describe it. Yes. And so he cooks with this magic ingredients, and despite it being, like, root plants, it turns into a cream puff. And even, like, the guy with him is like, I watched the entire cooking process. How did the end result turn into a cream puff? It's a great moment. This manga is sometimes really, really funny. We'll get into that into the parts we like, where there's obviously a reason we're doing our first recommendation episode. Adam, is there anything about MASH that you'd like to add? MASH might be the easiest MC to draw if you're looking to break into manga. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not just because it's a simple design, and that's always a good thing. Like, I will never talk shit about a simple design. But the point of MASH as a character is that his facial expression will never change. If he's in trouble, if he's sad, and if he's, like, every emotion in between, it's very much just like, uh, I think it works because there's a lot of moments in this where mash will do something and his first instinct is to say like i give a shit <laughs> and then he thinks about it for a second with the same expression and goes maybe i should give a shit <laughs> oh god there's one moment in particular where someone's like i'm gonna get you expelled and he's like that's not a big deal wait actually that would be a big deal he like punches like vice principal and he's like oh whoops maybe that was a bad idea he doesn't just punch him he starts trying to bury him alive <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's great. Mash's muscles are so unbelievably powerful. It's kind of a thing where, like, even though he's the one without all the magic, he winds up kind of being the most magical person. He's kind of like Rock Lee. Yes, everyone is magical except for him. He versus Rock Lee would actually be a great fight. Yeah, that would be cool. I think Mash would still win. We'll have a poll. Listeners, why don't you tell us? The thing is, I'm not sure yet quite how invincible MASH is. Yeah, we've actually not seen MASH, like, go out. Trying to get there. We haven't seen other people go all out against MASH as much. Like, in One Punch Man, it's like, you see Saitama getting hit by a guy who just decimated, like, hundreds of thousands of people. So it's like, okay, that does nothing to Saitama, so we know he's invincible. We haven't had somebody that powerful do anything to MASH yet. That's true. Because everyone is fighting a student, so there's like a limit to how strong they are. Yeah. Speaking of students, why don't we turn it to the first student that Mash really becomes a friend with, Lemon. So essentially, she is just kind of the token female character, and she just kind of exists either to be a damsel in distress, which she has been at least two separate occasions, or really just kind of to be the female view on things, but just because everything's so ridiculous, it's not really that noticeable, because almost everyone just thinks Mash is absolutely insane anyway. I think she's more of a trope of shonen manga than any other kind of medium. You know, she is small and fragile and must be protected and that sucks for her autonomy as a character but you know that's not the point of her i guess she does have one of my favorite reactions though she tries to double cross mash when you first meet her and she like puts shackles around his arms and he just breaks through them and she just says holy cats she's like it's impossible for someone to break shackles and then you're just like oh were they Mash rule. <laughs> Why don't we get into the, I guess, closest thing to Ron? So, Adam, can you tell us a little bit about Finn? Yeah, Finn Ames is the roommate of Mash and is very much... I'm sorry, how did you pronounce his last name? <laughs> I thought it was Ames. Ames. A-A-M-E-S. What? <laughs> oh, God, I gotta forget. It's Westaboo. Westaboo. <laughs> I'm reading it as if, like, oh, break it up into multiple syllables. Ames. But it's fucking Westaboo, so I have to say Ames. My bad. Okay, no. Finn Ames, the completely European character with a European name, is the roommate to Mash, who basically acts as a foil in the way of genuinely good guy who doesn't want to upset the apple cart too much and is very timid and basically is there to establish that this is a world where even good people are put in the situations where you have to backstab your friends and do everything you can to climb to the top in an early arc in which he tries to backstab mash but realizes the folly of his ways because mash is just too much of a badass so that was a dumb idea 
One of my favorite moments is actually where um, Finn keeps destroying Mash's books, and Mash is just like, hey, can I borrow your book? And before Finn can answer, Mash just takes his book. He's like, thank you so much. You're such a really nice person. You're like my best friend. And he's just like, did I? I didn't say you could. Okay. Mash doesn't even care about the fact that he's being bullied. Like, you know, oh, he's the main character being brought down by the system. Mash doesn't really care that much about the system, so he really doesn't care that much about Finn's plight, about having to adhere to the system to a degree that that it kind of puts him in moral conundrums that he kind of always fails at until he learns to be a better person and inspire his own virtuous nature through Mash's virtuous nature. Mash is such a good guy. It is very weird how every time we talk about either Lemon or Finn or any of these other characters, it comes back to, Mash is so cool, God. How about that, huh? It's almost like there's an issue with the other characters in this comic or something. <laughs> yeah. There are some characters that at least try and step up to Mash. I think that's a good way to bring up Lance. So, Jordan, what would you say your thoughts are on Lance? No relation to the uh, Pokemon champion. I was going to say Lance Bass, but okay. So his name is Lance Crown. He He's got. Are you sure it's not pronounced like crayon or shut up prawn or whatever bullshit pronunciation you've invented? <laughs> yeah, Lance Crown. So one of the things in the manga is that like people have marks on their face, and the more marks you have, generally the higher your power level is. I guess most people have one. Lance has two, so he's like more powerful than your average wizard, I suppose. He starts out as a bad guy who kidnaps Mash's friends in order to steal a coin from Mash. He uses gravity magic, where he says uh, graviole, which I always loved reading as gravioli. Gravioli, gravioli, give me the formioli, uh, or give me the coinioli. <laughs> give me the formioli. <laughs> but it turns out that he's not really a bad guy. He just really loves his sister, who lost her ability to use magic, or is losing it. And we find out that he's from, like, kind of an aristocratic family, and the aristocratic families in this world judge people extremely hard harshly if they don't have magic and since she has lost her magic we have flashbacks to her parents basically saying oh man it's a total disgrace we're gonna have to give her away and that really offends Lance so he's trying to become this divine visionary to basically get involved in the government and change those laws I would say Lance is the second most interesting character Matt has zero marks on his face and that's how people identified he wasn't able to use magic so he had to get like one like tattooed onto his face so he could fake it when he went to the wizard school. Yeah. Sorry, guys. My COVID virus is kicking in. Todoroki. This is con Todoroki. Is it Todoroki? Todoroki, Sasuke, pick a, you know, cool rival character that's just chilling in the background and is passionate about family, but that doesn't really come out on uh, first impression. Yeah. Although his passion for his little sister is weird. Like, Mash kind of is like, you're kind of creepy, man. <laughs> yes. For the last character, we have Doubt Barrett. I think he's supposed to be like a main character parody. Pretty much he's like the hot-headed, oh, I love fighting, I'm not very smart, but you know, I'm brave and love my friends, blah, 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 that you see in like pretty much every series we've covered so far. Well, like literally the first thing we see of him is he says, I'm the main character. Yes, he does. Can I make a mention of something to all mangakas? You can't have characters that aren't your main characters call themselves main characters anymore. Because it's kind of funny, five years ago you had a character that treat life as if they're in a story, which serendipitously enough they are. But this is one of those things that I've seen actually a lot of is the minor character that is certain, absolutely certain that he is the guy. 
The one time I think it was really cool was I'm trying to remember the name of one of the main characters from Final Fantasy XII. Bosh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, because he was pretty badass, and I think he was originally supposed to be the main character anyway. And then they gave it to Vaughn, who sucks. <laughs> Dot sure seems pretty weak, huh? But don't worry, it turns out that he secretly has a cross on his forehead, and it gives him superpowers when he gets really angry. He really is the main character. He is, yeah. Except he's not. Because he's in Mashal. He also shows up like halfway through the series so far. Now, to be fair, it it took like, what, seven chapters for Dr. Stone to figure out who its main character was? Also, to be fair, I say halfway point, but this is going to keep going. So it'll be less weird as the series goes on. That's a really good segue into manga details. So thank you, Jordan. It would have been a good segue until you said, here's a good segue. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I included that part. Big brain, I like it. Yeah. I've chef-kissed my own segue sometimes. Last week, I'm pretty sure I did that. Let's get into author details. So, Jordan, would you like to tell us what the creator of Mashal's name is? Hajime Komodo? Not even close, but thank you for taking the bullet on that one. Well, how is his name pronounced? Oh, I have no idea. (laughs) But I know you didn't either. I don't claim to be an expert. (laughs) Mashal started January 27, 2020, and it's still ongoing. It's got three volumes and 30 chapters. One thing to really note, as we've discussed a little bit, this series just really wears the influence from One Punch Man and Harry Potter on its sleeve, along with a little bit of Mob Psycho. Adam, I know you really, in particular, had some thoughts about how you want to discuss the influences on this series so far. There is absolutely influences from Harry Potter, but the dynamic of the world in which magic is the sole source of everything, that's a Black Clover thing. So for me, it is a combination of the works of one, either One Punch Man or Mob Psycho 100, and the setting of, you know, magic is the defining trait of everything of Black Clover. And influence in manga is prevalent, like, everywhere. Everything is just a ripoff of Fist of the North Star or Slam Dunk or, you know, any of the, like, old master's work. But I do feel that there is a separation between influence and just outright imitation. Yeah. And this reads like something that would not be capable of being thought of or existing, much less being greenlit and jump as a without there being the work of one, without there being a mob psycho 100 to essentially take a lot of comedic formulas from. It's very odd because this is a series that is competent, but very pedestrian when it comes to is it actually adding anything to the conversation? I think that's a really great thought. By the way, just for our listeners that may not be familiar, can you go into a little bit of detail on Black Clover, One Punch Man, and Mob Psycho? Absolutely. When I speak of the works of one, I'm speaking specifically of One Punch Man, which got a pretty popular anime adaptation. You can find it on Toonami. That is a series that basically lifts, Mashal kind of takes the premise of what if you take someone that worked out enough to be the strongest character in a world in which everyone had to go through supernatural means and um, high fantasy malarkey to acquire their powers and the comedic ideas behind that. It's just like, what if there's this world and everyone's a superhero, but then there's just this derpy guy who is just stronger than everybody else. Don't worry about it. The whole point is that he just is stronger than everybody else. It's called One Punch Man because he literally beats everything with one punch. And it's actually a fucking great series. 
It's really good. For sure. And then can we go into a little bit about Mob Psycho 100, which is another work from the same author? Yeah, the Mob Psycho 100 anime is a must-watch, like, instant classic type thing. If you haven't watched it yet, watch it. And then read Mashal and see how much of a similarity there is in the protagonist and having someone that has dulled their emotions down to a comedic degree where they are put in outlandish situations, but their kind of cool-headedness and emotionless approach to it adds a comedic bent in the sense of, like, they are the straight man in their own comedy manga. Mash also literally has Mob's haircut. Mob also has the same trait as Saitama, who is the main character of One Punch Man, where he's just exponentially more powerful than pretty much every character, where Mob is not quite as overpowered where he just can't have real fights. But you know, going into about 95% of his altercations, he's going to win without being a significant challenge to him. Dots has the exact same kind of ability as Mob, where his emotions, when they reach a certain threshold, go and force his powers to be beyond the pale and increase his magical powers tenfold and just replace that with psychic powers and that's pretty much what Mob is and it's very weird reading the series being a fan of the work of one and like just seeing every single little element that really works in that series just plastered not even like I can't use the word influence with this this is just imitation one last thing I do want to say is it's funny though how you mentioned Black Clover being a big influence because Black Clover what happened was the author made a series called I believe Hungry Joker which we're going to cover at some point where he tried to like make a more creative approach and it didn't fail and he was like you know what fuck it I'm not going to try I'm going to throw every single Shonen Jump stereotype into like a pot and make that and that is really what people consider Black to be like pretty much the main characters are rip off Naruto I'm not super familiar so I can't speak in more detail but that's what I've heard is it's literally the most Shonen Shonen to ever be made but it's played straight it's not like a parody well, I think that's something that's interesting to talk about with Shonen Jump manga is at the end of the day, it's all derivative, pulling from something. So it's the idea of if you're somebody that's looking for a unique experience, it's not just is Mashal for you. It might just be that like Shonen Jump might not be your bag because I don't know what you can expect out of the Shonen Jump audience where you have a lot of series that get pitched that are, you know, interesting, unique experiences, but they're not going to work. To be fair to Mashal, it's like intentionally a parody of Harry Potter, you know? Like, it's not really setting out to be this original concept that you've never heard before. It's explicitly, like, an interrogation of an existing property. I will say there is at least one instance of a Shonen Jump manga that really doesn't play to the tropes that's been successful, and I would say that's Dr. Stone, where it's a Shonen Jump series that literally has, like, as little fighting as they can get away with. It's essentially human versus nature is the theme of that series, instead of human versus society or human versus human. Yeah, I agree with that. Why don't we turn it to the what it does well section? Jordan, why don't you take us into really one of the things that you most appreciated about Mashal? Dude, it's- I am being a- Oh, it sucks when someone interrupts you, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Alright, go, go, go. Dude, it's so fucking funny. The first issue, there's a guy who shoots an energy ball at Mash, and Mash just deflects it. And then he's like, oh my god, he deflected it. And now he's practicing his dribbling skills, because Mash just starts kicking it around like it's a soccer ball. (laughs) But the other thing is, what the guy does, is he makes this face. Yes! The face. That shows up a lot in Mash. It's just like this one style of reaction face, and it's funny literally every time it shows up. You're not wrong. It is one of the 
funniest faces I've ever seen. It doesn't stop being funny. It's just great. There's a lot of shit series that have, like, one okay joke and they just run it through the ground. But it's, like, Mashal, like, built, like, a fucking, like, tunnel out of this one joke because of how run through the ground. But it's, like, the infrastructure of the entire series. <laughs> it's, like, a load-bearing joke. Yeah. This series would not have run this long if it wasn't so funny how he has figured out the perfect reaction face of someone getting hit in the face. Where he literally draws it the same time. But it, after 30 chapters, it has not been any less funny. Even though it's the exact same joke every single time. It's great. If you guys are curious what I'm talking about, we copied the face in the art of this episode. So the face that Harry Potter is making while he's getting hit by Mash is the face we're talking about. (laughs) It's so fucking good. It's just this weird face that's like a combination of astonishment, sorrow, and just like hopelessness. It's like, oh, it's great. It actually makes me think of, like, whenever in One Piece somebody is shocked something happens, but drawn so much more efficiently. Yeah, the face fall. Yeah. <laughs> That's such an American animation thing he took, and he just somehow has, like, integrated into what's, like, a cornerstone of Japanese culture now. Oh my god, it's fucking great. In regards to the humor, it's also very universal. It's dry, but I don't think this is something where you feel like you're missing out because you're an American, which if you read Japanese gag manga or comedy manga, that's kind of the go-to experience. It's not meant for you, but something about the comedy of Mashal is universal. You will find this series funny. I thought this series reminds me a lot of Cromartie High School, where it's the same type of humor. It's clearly Japanese humor. Like, I wouldn't have seen an American do this kind of stuff. Yeah. One of the best jokes that happen in this series is whenever Mash imitates magic. Because the way he gets through it is by just faking the magic that he's seeing just with strength. Like, one of the funniest things is they're supposed to make a rock float. So Mash just jams his thumb into the side of the rock and does that, like, magician parlor trick where you can kind of make it look like it's floating, like you're not actually holding on to it, but you are. (laughs) Oh my god, one of the first moments, they're all standing in this huge assembly, and one of the guys who's like an asshole teacher is just looking, and he sees mash who's just standing there like pumping iron in the middle of this crowded area and he's just like is anybody else seeing this i think that's actually a huge portion of mash's humor is dickheads being sad just like somebody is just like what happened yeah, it's great. I also appreciate that the offer, I think, probably worked out because Mesh does some exercises that are a little bit, they're not like crazy obscure, but they're like, if you didn't know lifting, you wouldn't know. Like, Mesh does front squats. He does like oblique training where like, instead of it just always being bench pressing, he's actually doing like legitimate exercises someone who's working out would need to do. It sort of reminds me of Baki. Oh, God. I think these two are on the opposite art spectrum. <laughs> Yeah, but I think they both know a lot about lifting. Yeah, and then in terms of the art, I was going to say, I think MASH like really makes excellent use of its artistic art style, where I think it wouldn't have been as funny if it was drawn differently. It's kind of like how One Piece, the art is just very atypical, but it just really works with how the series works. We actually see some examples where the author really flexes his ability to just draw, and it's clearly it's a choice by the author to have this style. And it just kind of reminds me of Attack on Titan, where the limitations of the art actually add to it. Like how I think Super Eyepatch will talked about how Attack on Titan actually like won an award and they noted that it won it off the strength of its writing and they literally like this is the worst drawn series that we've ever given this award to which is very Japanese of them to say (laughs) 
Actually, I don't think it was Attack on Titan. It was a different series he made. But it's the same idea where this author clearly could have done in a much more realistic, like a Dr. Stone level of art based on some of the art things he draws. And it just would not have been as interesting. Well, there's also like a, a moment that you pointed it out. Chapter 15. I reread it and it's like an explicit like demarcation. Like chapter 14 is drawn a certain way. And then chapter 15 suddenly has more detail. And like the faces are more solid. Everything's like a little bit more refined. Chapter 15, I think is when the author realized the series was actually picking up and it was popular and he's like, oh fuck, I should probably really try. <laughs> I feel like he legitimately thought the series was going to do like maybe two or three volumes and that's it. And then he got like the first volume sales numbers and he's like, oh shit, I'm in it for the long haul. I don't think you're wrong. I think it was also the point where he was like, I really can't do like a hundred chapters of this goofy Harry Potter parody if it's just goofy Harry Potter. Adam, what would you like to say as some of the things that you've really appreciated about this series? Nothing. <laughs> I like the series. I really do. It is actually a funny series. Like if you're paying $2 a month to read all of Shonen Jump on the Shonen Jump app, it's like, hey, you know what? This isn't a bad series to catch up on and really enjoy just for how funny it is, how well drawn it does get to a chapter 15 mark. I think this is a series that people that liked Reborn way back in the day would really enjoy because it does that same kind of turn from where a gag manga that's, you know, very high energy straight into we've built a large cast of characters. We are a battle manga. We're basically bleach and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> I do agree that, you know, that's kind of where the series is heading and I'm kind of excited to see the arts and the stakes kind of pick up from here. But where it's at right now after 30 chapters, it's perfectly serviceable, quick and easy read that will make you laugh, will have you feel excited. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with the motions that this series will convey in you in terms of, you know, what any Shonen Jump series would aspire to convey in its readers. I love how you're like on this recommendation episode and you're like, Mashal, C+. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming in hot with the men. For those who have looked at our reviews, we have one four-star review, and that's from Adam. Because he's like, oh, you know, I'm realistic. It looks more authentic. And that's how I was like, I should probably check to make sure Adam actually liked the series. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody watches a podcast with a pure 5.0 rating. You got to get that, mm, that sweet spot of 4.8, 4.7. Really? Really? They don't? No, he's not wrong. It's like how I would trust a doctor with like a 98% success rate over a doctor with a 100% success rate. I like you just know that if you didn't give us a four star, literally everybody else would rate us five star. I appreciate that. <laughs> I respect the quality. I know what's going to happen through the minds of your listeners. <laughs> okay, and then to get back, though, to the positives, I have some final thoughts. But do you guys have any last things? The way that it uses this idea of magic being like a eugenics kind of thing. Yeah. Because the idea is MASH doesn't have this mark. MASH is not able to use magic, and people without magic are weak and worthless, so they don't deserve to live. It's a commentary on racism. It's a commentary on ableism most directly, I feel. And I think it's pretty effective. It's also very clearly a commentary on class because everybody who's born into like an aristocratic magic family, they talk about how they have this idea that they are extremely worthy because they can do magic and everybody else that can't is dragged down. And it shows some horror behind it. It shows that like these people's families only give a shit about them if they're powerful and if they can contribute 
Yeah. And then in terms of myself, just a few little things. Chapter 16 really showed that the series can actually have some really cool moments that aren't just based in parody. Like, so for context, MASH is fighting like this evil asshole wizard. And he's like, you can hit me 10 times and then leave my friends alone. And the dude like hits him twice with like really strong attack. And then MASH just like destroys his attacks and beats the fuck out of him just to prove that MASH is that much stronger than him. But then he's like, you got eight more hits on me. And the dude is obviously just like shits himself. I like that a lot. In a vacuum, that was just a completely awesome moment. And I just whole self feel like that was just good writing. I mean, it was like a badass, cool Shona moment, but there's not really a moment that stuck out to me. It's like, oh, it's clearly riffing this scene. It was also great, even though it wasn't funny, you know? Which was definitely a struggle in the first, like, half of the series, where I was like, besides humor, what is this bringing to the table? And that really showed that the writer has some actual potential besides the gag. The next thing is, <laughs> I really just love how much of a Chad Mash is. He is. Without a doubt, the funniest moment in the series, I sent people to say, you gotta read this series, is when he's in the woods, there's, like, this lady wizard working for the dude who I just talked about that was, like, trying to beat him up. And she's, like, trying to play Mash. Let me try and play as this dumb, clueless girl. Oh, he was using me to get to you. Yeah. <laughs> and Mash just goes, you know what? It's okay. I understand. She thinks she's going to hug him. And he grabs her hand. He suplexes her <laughs> into the ground. And he's like, he's like, I believe in equality. <laughs> yes. Mash doesn't give a fuck. He just suplexed the shit out of that girl. I very much appreciate that Mash is a legitimate Chad MC. It's not like he's Chad-esque because he's like clueless to things like how Luffy doesn't really give a shit about like attractive women. He just wants to go on an adventure. Mash just is legitimately above it. So this series definitely has a lot of really awesome moments, but I know there are some things that make it not quite like the perfect series, like a <coughs> Chainsaw Man. <laughs> Adam, why don't you tell us the areas that you think that Mashal doesn't do so well? First off, the art is serviceable, but you're not going to be reading Mashal because of the artistry, especially in the earlier chapters. It very much wears its basic, simple forms on its sleeves, probably to benefit the humor, but not so much the artistry. And this is, you know, Japanese gag manga. For some, it either works or it doesn't. If you're not a fan of dry humor, if you're not a fan of metatextual humor where, you know, characters think that the main character and, and then get proven wrong, it's, you know, not going to be your bag. I think the only thing bad I can really say about Mashal is that it isn't for everybody. You're not going to get the depth that you might want out of a new up-and-coming shonen series. You're not going to get a premise that is blowing the doors open for new forms of storytelling. You're going to get a competent, common action manga. Mash, as much of a Chad as he is, is still a fairly flat character. The humor itself doesn't really hold up if Mash isn't involved. That's actually a huge critique, I think, with the series. Everyone in the on this particular podcast is that, you know, Mashal needs Mash. And if Mash isn't there, all the characters are asking, where's Mash? Thanks for taking my line, but yeah. <laughs> this isn't really pushing the cutting edge on what shonen storytelling could be. And as we get into the era of shonen jump without a one piece, without a massive guaranteed hit, I don't think Mashal's the series that shonen jump needs, but it works. I also want to say that the supporting cast is a problem. They're not really that interesting. Like with One Punch Man, one of the whole things is that a lot of the time Saitama isn't there because Saitama is the main character and who is the one punch man. Like, you know that if he's there, he'll just win automatically. So a lot of the drama comes from the fact that these characters who you learn to love and appreciate have to fight off these monsters that may be only Saitama. And they try and do that a little bit here, but it's not nearly as interesting because these characters just aren't. Yeah, One Punch Man, I think really for like, geez, I don't even remember, like it's first year at the very least, it really was the Saitama show. And 
and they were able to build up characters. And so really, they, one, waited to have a cast that he could be like, let's not see Saitama for a while so we can do some other things, which this series, I think, hasn't had a chance yet. Talking about the weaknesses of the characters, it does have the unfortunate fault where there is literally no interesting female characters in this series revealed so far. As I said, Lemon has been kidnapped twice. This current arc is them rescuing her. We don't even, like, know what kind of magic she specializes in because she's had such a little exposure. She's giving off vibes for me as a Aurorica from My Hero Academia where she's going to have her moment of, I am growing as a character and I can be a badass as Aurorica does in the tournament arc of that series, but will then recede into the background again. We'll get a scene where Lemon shows that, you know, she's being influenced by these other characters, but that doesn't always correlate to autonomy as a female character. That makes sense. I had two other notes. I feel like the fight scenes, while they're better drawn, I really am missing depth to them. Like, for instance, if one character has an advantage, they just kind of push it over the top and then they just win. Where, as someone who's rewatching One Piece, what I've noticed is a lot of the One Piece fights kind of have two stages to the fight, where yes, this happens at some point, but then Oda, the writer of One Piece, is like, here's how just because you thought they had the advantage and we're going to win, that's not true. I was rewatching the Alabasta arc where one of the characters figures out their weakness. One of the villains has, like, these balls that explode, and he detonates a bunch of balls by him, but we find out he's so tough he could survive that. And I legitimately was like, oh shit, I don't know how they're going to win now because the really obvious way they were going to win didn't work. And that moment just doesn't happen in the show where if you realize how the character's going to win and they do it, they win. Now, does that character work for the Intergalactic Ball Federation? Fuck off. Callback! Uh, <laughs> you can find out about the Intergalactic Ball Federation Episode 8, Samurai 8. Yeah. The last thing is, in the current arc where they've really started like having a plot that's going to last more than like five or six chapters, I was just a little disappointed that they did this really lazy Shonen Trump where they separate the characters in a very forced manner just so everyone can have fights, instead of there being like an actual like reason. Again, like in One Piece, the Albasta arc, they separated all of the characters so they could have like individual fights, but they had like a very strong plot reason. Like they were trying to distract the enemy, trying to find this princess that main characters were protecting. And they did like a bunch of like decoys. And that's how everyone got separated, which was a very organic way to still get the same scenario where people are just having, you know, these one-on-one or two-on-two fights without literally having a character be like, oh, you've come into my dungeon. I'm going to drop the floor and split you guys into different rooms, which is just really lazy. Yeah. Also, one of the big overall flaws, I think, is just that the action just isn't nearly as good as the comedy, and it seems to be shifting more. Like, I think that this author might be able to change that by making the characters interesting, and it's still very funny, but it's kind of like good action versus great comedy, you know? Completely agree. And then, do you guys have any other areas? Glad this section is kind of short, because that's the point of this episode. Adam's like, oh boy, I got more to say, but David won't let me. I said everything I could. The art is simple, but that serves the story. The characters are flat, but that serves the story. I don't know if the series gets better if you take these flaws out. If it works, it works. It's also possible that in, like, a year we'll be like, man, he really turned that into, like, a really great manga. Because we are only at, like, chapter 30. Yeah. You gotta remember, like, Zoro Mihawk fight in One Piece happened in chapter 50. So levels of shit just got real. There's still plenty of time for that to happen. Look at Kinikuman. If you ever try and read that manga, which is like a wrestling manga from the 70s or 80s, it's the thing that Ultimate Muscle is based on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now we're talking about my shit. Let's go. Yeah. 
Like, most of those first chapters are just dumb, weird jokes, and suddenly out of nowhere it transitions into, like, a wrestling manga. Yeah. Adam, you're saying that there are some components that may be weaknesses, but are kind of, like, load-bearing. Is a really good segue into talking about what we hope the series does moving forward. That's why I said it. <laughs> you motherfucker. You set me up so well, and then Jordan was like, and now for something completely different. Our audience that I have to explain One Piece to has certainly read this manga from the 80s about wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I really want to see the series prove that it can be interesting without MASH. Some of my favorite series, like Dr. Stone or One Piece, all had arcs where they actually went a long time without either the main character or the supporting cast. And that's just something that I know Mashal isn't ready for. And so that's kind of like a challenge for the writer where I'd love to see him actually develop the world, develop the side characters to really be like, here's how the series can be interesting, even if you're not seeing MASH slap people in every chapter. Yeah, I think that that's a pretty good point, because that is the biggest flaw here. It wants to be a manga that isn't just following MASH, but it hasn't gotten to the point where that's super interesting yet. You do start to see that with Lance, I think. He's the closest one to being interesting. <laughs> I agree that MASH right now feels like it has a growing cast, because that's what Battlemonger is supposed to do, but it doesn't really know how to make these characters flourish with the limited page time that each of them have. The manga is trying his best to get to that point, but it's a work in progress. For sure. And on a similar note, I really want to learn more about the world. We know very little about even how the school functions besides the fact that there's three houses. We don't really know what the government of the world is, why they need to execute people that don't have magic, or even how like magic works itself. Like We see people specialize in different magics, but we don't know how they intersect. Are some magic types related to each other? Are There's a reason people are only using certain types of magic if they specialize in it. And it's kind of like the opposite of Samurai 8, where Samurai 8, we knew a ton about the world, but we just didn't have a reason to care. And I feel like Mashal has made me care now about what's going on to the point where I actually want to be like, hey, how does this whole like magical world thing work? Yeah, it is also kind of an interesting thing where unlike Harry Potter, where like anybody can kind of use whatever spell here, it is very much specialized, or at least it seems to be one of the characters, Lance, he uses gravity magic, Dot uses explosion magic, and that's just the magic that these people I guess the idea is that everybody there is also learning the same magic, but it's like, well, why do these people specialize? What does that mean? That really leads me to the last thing I wanted to talk about is I really love to see people also using magic for non-combative purposes, but with the caveat where I'd like to see them in combat because there's literally no examples of people doing non-combat based magic really so it'd just be cool for the writer to actually have to challenge himself and be like here's like a fill bucket with water spell and he uses it to like throw a bucket at someone and like distract him and then he punches him something like that because every magic right now is literally just a type of attack you want more clever use yes i want some like jojo style bullshit with the magic i knew you were gonna say jojo i fucking knew you were gonna say jojo (laughs) (laughs) you could say jojo like, for instance, JoJo just has, like, this crazy shit where this guy's like, I put a magnet in my pocket, so when you tried to stab me, it moved the knife out of the way. <laughs> so that's how I could counterattack. Like, dumb shit like that, where these people all can use magic, but literally they just throw in, like, fireballs or, like, pillars of metal instead of doing any, like, crafty shit like that. See, but I don't even think you need to go so far as to have, like, JoJo levels of intricate powers working together. You could do something as simple as have MASH work alongside these other characters. You have a side character that works in explosions. What if MASH just grabs an elusive, you know, speedy character and then says, all right, explode my shit. And then MASH doesn't give a shit because he's MASH. Like, you could do a lot when it comes to cooperative powers. 
Yeah, then you have different characters kind of working together to see how they lay off each other. And it also a way to make it so that Lemon maybe doesn't stay a total damsel in distress. Maybe she has a power that contributes very well to the overall team. Yeah, two birds with one stone. That up a two-on-two fight, but then it just turns into two one-on-one fights, and I was like, oh. Yeah, that frustrated the hell out of me. To be honest, I think the writer, he is like a master of getting away with being super lazy. <laughs> thought you wanted this to be the recommendation episode. What have I awoken? <laughs> I applaud it. I am super lazy, too. I actually consider the height of intelligence to be the laziest you can be while still being successful. And that's what this writer is. He's created a reason why he can be lazy with the art because it adds to the humor. He's lazy with the writing because it's a parody. And it's still a great series. But, like, you can see when he tries, like, with the forest scene, that it's super awesome. So you know he has the potential. But otherwise, yeah, he's getting away with, like, doing the bare minimum and people are loving it for it. Like, we're applauding him that's almost kind of the point of the manga in a lot of places. Like, one of the early jokes that happens is uh, when Mash shows up for orientation, the guy running it makes all these chairs appear out of nowhere. And well, everyone around him is like, whoa, that's impressive. Whoa. And Mash is just kind of like, why didn't he just set that up before we got <laughs> I feel like we're kind of getting into like final verdict stuff. You guys had any other kind of things you'd like to see for the series? For me, as a personal kind of desire, I would like to see this author have more of a voice, have more of his own kind of ideas on how the story should develop without having to lean so heavily on the shoulders of giants he's doing a goddamn parade on. But at the same time, it's like, man, if you get too experimental, you mess up the flow of this really, really successful series. I don't know. I don't think you follow that advice. I would give that advice. I think you should always try to create something new rather than lean too heavy on your inspiration. But what works, works. And I don't think that's the advice I would give if the goal is, you know, make as much money as possible. Capitalism, baby. I would like to see more of an examination of the world, yeah. I think there are a lot of interesting themes here, and I would like to see it explored more. Like, the themes of class and racism and radicalization are very interesting and I think very relevant. I think that this manga does have things to say about I think it does a better job of saying some of that shit than Harry Potter does. And I'd like to see where it ends up. I agree. I know you guys are very excited to go into Final Verdict, but we do have one more sec for that, which is the miscellaneous spot. So Jordan, why don't you lead us off? So first of all, the Dumbledore stand-in's name is Wahlberg, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, it's Marky Mark with a beard. The Funky Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Boston accent. Listen, Marshall, you're gonna, you're gonna learn spell. That wasn't a Boston accent. That was an Australian accent. <laughs> my Australian accent's just too good, so it just devolves into that. Like, oh, mate, you're top like Marshall. <laughs> you punch bloke, like, never I his business. All right, we'll let you in the school, you damn right, mate. Now, see, it does sound like someone with a Boston accent doing an Australian accent, so we're half right. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, mate, where's the harbour? <laughs> Can I get some chowder? <laughs> I do also want to say that it also leans into a lot obvious criticism with Harry Potter that I really appreciate, especially with the houses. First of all, I love that there's three houses instead of four houses. The author of Mashler realizes that Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw are completely fucking useless. Do not argue with me, you know I'm right. They also recognize that the two other ones, like Gryffindor and Slytherin, are very clearly defined by class, but it's just not fully acknowledged. Here, it's like explicit, no, the Slytherin stand-in are like a bunch bunch of rich, straight-up racists, and the people in the Gryffindor stand-in are nice poor people, you know? I kind of appreciate that. There's also, like, an Azkaban stand-in. Hecatrice? Hecatrice. Yeah. Now, something that's interesting that I noticed was they mention, um, what's the name of the guy that they're starting to hype up as the main villain? Like, 
something zero, but his silhouette looks exactly like the Dumbledore stance. So I'm pretty interested now. Ooh. Does that mean Dumbledore's evil? That's something that was hinted at in the series that J.K. Rowling completely dropped. <laughs> I think we went through a lot of these miscellaneous thoughts outside of Edgelord using gravity magic. Yes, it seems like it's like a trope where like really edgy characters have gravity magic. The big instance I can think of is this is the character from Zatch Bell. Oh, the goth puppet? Yeah, like there's something about like really hardcore edgy characters using gravity magic. <laughs> it forces you down on the ground where you belong, Neil. <laughs> I love the trope that everyone's just agreed upon that uh, gravity magic looks like a big dark orb. Makes sense. I mean, I guess what else would you do? Yeah, it's like black holes. That's gravity. And then the last thing is, I'm just going to call it now that there's going to be a scene where Mash's dad, who not his bio dad, he's like 65 and Mash is like 15. There's going to be a scene where Mash's dad's going to have like this revelation where he's going to be like, Mash, I need to tell you something. I'm not actually your biological father. And Mash just goes, yeah, duh. <laughs> the other thing is I think it's really clever how they sort of did a reverse of the Harry Potter scar thing where everybody has what they call a mark except for MASH but the mark looks a lot like the Harry Potter lightning bolt scar or at least is clearly inspired or a reference right. the twist whereas in Harry Potter the main character is the only one with the scar in MASHla MASH is the only character without the scar I think that's clever I, I think that's that's really interesting. And it goes beyond that where you have characters that, oh, I have two scars, so I'm like double magic. Oh yeah, there's a character with three scars too. <laughs> Sometimes roll my eyes. They even have the new revelation where it's like, what? He has a cross on his forehead. And it's like every single new magic development has to come with like a shape that gets drawn on your face. And personally speaking, I don't think power overall, even magical power, is a good enough prize for bullshit being drawn on my face against my will. <laughs> I am waiting for, like, a Bleach-style moment. Bleach had this really famous moment for being terrible where there was, like, this organization the members were ranked from 10 to 1 and they had tattoos. Right, I remember them! <laughs> and the number 10 guy, like, near the end of it, has this revelation where he says, Oh, whoever said we were ranked 10 to 1? And he rips off the 1 and he's actually rank 0. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, shit! I was expecting a scene where this dude has, like, one mark on his face. And he's like, whoever said I only had one mark? And he, like, has, like, makeup. And it turns out his mark is, like, three pieces. Yeah. I'm literally expecting the same thing. <laughs> When they were showing the guy from the side where he has uh, three marks, I was almost expecting him to turn around and he's got another three mark. He's just like lifts up the back of his hair and it's like, look, it's another mark. <laughs> and then Mash grabs like a sharp and he draws like two more marks on his face. And he's like, oh, wow, look at me. I've got three marks too. Oh man, I love this series. That would be a great response, actually. Us <laughs> saying that we love this series and that's pretty great and Adam being like, eh, it's okay. Yeah, this was pretty great. It's a good segue. <laughs> Perfect segue. Into the final verdict. Why don't we start off our final verdict with the six-word summary? I feel like we're all going to have very similar six-word summaries. Yeah. You literally said my six-word summary earlier on in the show. Oh, God. One Punch Man, but in Hogwarts? Yeah, mine is also has the word one punch... <laughs> or it has the word one in man in it, where I said, one joke, man, parentheses, it's still funny. Because <laughs> that joke just never stops being funny how it draws the face when Matchel hits someone. I know, it's such a good face. <laughs> 
I love it so much. If I ever got an anime tattoo, it would be, be the mash punch face. It's just that. God, yeah. <laughs> Adam, <laughs> what did you say? Can I get a seventh word reprieve? Because I, I do have a good one, but I need that seventh word. Because for me, the summary, it's got to be, if it works out, don't fix it. Because for me, it's a series about working out enough to acquire the power to defeat magical beasts. And this is a premise that's been done before. But why change it? Harry Potter parody that works out. The workout was a nice pun. Hey, that's pretty good. Oh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer. No, I almost had it. All right, never mind. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Gym. <laughs> but yeah, I very much enjoyed this series, as you guys have. In fact, it's special. Definitely worth checking out. It really picks up around chapter 15, 16, so it's a little bit slow, but definitely still worth reading until that point. But that's really when it gets to the element that makes me really want to wreck the series. Overall, Jordan, what do you think of MASH? I really like it. I almost disagree with you, though. I like the first 15 chapter kind of more. It's just so funny. Like, the first 15 chapters are just constant gag after gag after gag, and it always works. You know, after that, they add in the action, which I don't think is quite as effective as the gag. But I still really love it, and I still really like the chapters that come after it. And it's still really funny the whole way through. I definitely recommend it. Jordan's right. The first 15 are better. But beyond that, I think if you want to give the series a read, check out the first couple of chapters. You will figure out whether the series is for you within the first three chapters because nothing much changes beyond that and regardless of whether it's derivative or regardless of whether this is something that's been done better in other series there's value to this and i'm actually happy to read this every single week it gets published despite all the complaints i have with it and i think those are some really great reasons why people should check it out and then jordan how would you compare this chainsaw Oh, Chainsaw Man's better, dude. Like, Chainsaw Man is a masterpiece, so... Getting so much better every single week. You gotta read Chainsaw Man, y'all. It's really good. Yeah. God, what if, like, we say this and then the next Chainsaw Man chapter just completely ruins the entire series? Knock on wood. I don't think it will. Thank you so much for joining us. I just want to wrap things up with some shout-outs. First of all, props to Jordan for making the awesome theme song that you heard at the start of this episode. You, uh, dear listener, may notice that we actually slightly changed it a little. The crash symbols sounded like garbage. They really did. <laughs> I know a lot of people that say they skip the theme song. We will have less people that say that now. Oh. <laughs> All my hard work. <laughs> I know, it's great. <laughs> I also want to give props to Aaliyah for making this episode cover and Nigel Francis for being our generous art benefactor. I also want to thank Tim Plumador, who is doing some awesome stuff as our media manager. A very special thanks to Adam for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. It's honestly been a lot of fun. Adam, is there anything we'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I am the co-host of a rival canceled Shonen Jump manga podcast known as the Shonen Fiasco Show. If you are looking for more discussions on the kind of hidden gems of Shonen Jump, give us a listen. I kind of love that both of our shows exist because this is such a good show for talking about how a series should be read because it's entertaining. Over at the Shonen Fiasco Show, we talk a lot more about how you should be reading some of this, improve on your own creative pursuit and learn a little bit about media criticism from a graduate of media criticism. You can find us over at the Shona Fiasco Show on Spotify and uh, let me get my go-to URL up. Boo, 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 boo. We don't have a go-to URL. You can just Google us, the Shonen Fiasco Show on Spotify. You have a search engine. What do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> Your channel in Big Gaben. <laughs> 
what? I feel like Gabe talked like that last week, where he was like, oh, I don't, I don't have a podcast. You know, not everybody has a podcast. I don't know. I thought you said we had gay energy, which it's a podcast run by two queer men, but I mean, shit. G-A-B-E, the name of our guest from the Samurai Ada. Oh. Yeah, check out our big gay energy over at the Shonen Fiasco show. <laughs> awesome. And then I just want to give some shout outs to people that have been liking, sharing our show and giving us iTunes reviews. I really want to give a shout out to Sleepy Oni, The Mech Anime Review, James Restig, The Weekly Cooldown, Jake Hawkins, Hero Fletch, Chris is Cool, Victor De Silva, and Karebi Andrews, who have all been liking and sharing our posts. Thank you so much for really getting the word out about our podcast. And then I also want to give a shout out to Brian Valdivizio. I'm very sorry. I probably butchered that. You listen to this podcast. You knew that was going to happen. And D. Simi, who wrote us from iTunes. I want to stress, as always, if you can write us a review, we are more than happy to give you a shout out. It really helps Han be listed higher in the iTunes store, which is really what lets us keep making episodes. And then in terms of general shout outs, the first thing I want to do is in America Manga Series Gray, I was approached by the creator of it, the like first issue. It was a really awesome read. I don't know if you guys had a chance to check it out. I did, actually. It was very good. That's high honor. At some point, I'd like to do an episode just on Erica Manga and read about to, like, review them. Maybe talk about, like, from the first issue, like, what I bought. So that might be a fun, like, special. So if you were a content creator, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Happy to read it and discuss it on the show and tell our readers what we think. But overall, it was pretty cool. Just a general gist is there's a virus that, that causes the government to be forced, kind of, to maintain the peace. One way of doing so is they create a highly trained agents to order. Find out more about the series at thegrayroom.org. And that is great spelled G-R-E-Y. What was that one relatively famous uh, American manga that was like everywhere? Old Digger? It was like furry? Do you know what I'm talking about? Pulls that collar. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I know Adam dabbles a little bit in furry, and I was like, oh, I have a friend who's a furry. My friend John. Do you know him? <laughs> and they were like, this is ridiculous. No, we don't. And they are like, oh, fuck, we do know that. <laughs> The next thing I want to give a shout out is check out the Chaotic Select podcast. It's an animation podcast where they look at a variety of anime and Western animation. Their latest episode on the ever iconic B movie was really great. <laughs> You can find them on Twitter at Chaotic Silly. The next thing is I want to give a shout out to Mitch Loves Anime. This guy is really awesome, so I'm going to play. Hello, Nichiwa, everybody. And it is Mitch from the hashtag best worst anime podcast talking anime. Come join me every Thursday as I talk about all things anime. You can find me on all podcast platforms around. I will see you guys in the flippity flop. Bye-bye. The next one is I want to give a shout out to the Career Crossroads podcast. Jonathan has an awesome show where he talks about the career paths of some interesting people. He just started the podcast, but his first episode was about a blacksmith who eventually became a massage therapist. You'll want to check it out to learn about how kind of someone went on that path throughout their life. I see it. Beating out kinks in armor, beating out kinks in backs. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jordan, do you have anything you want to talk about? Plug vampires two months before the episode comes out like you usually do? No, that's why. Because it's still not out. <laughs> I keep being like, Jordan, why are you plugging a podcast that's not coming out for two months? <laughs> I just love your co-host name is like Rushamba Bamba Lambada. Shambambamana, get it right. God. We don't pronounce names properly here. That's not our bag. <laughs> Someone's got to make like the Black Panther rest in peace where it's like trying to pronounce a name properly and just be like, we don't do that here. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. You can find Shonen Flop on Facebook and Twitter at Shonen Flopcast and our website ShonenFlop.com. We're also on Spotify, iTunes. This has been David. This has been Jordan. This has been Adam. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping, floppers. <laughs>